2021 and happy new year. And welcome back to the Chris Williams podcast hour. Like the title of that opening song says, ain't no sunshine till she's gone. That mess we called last year is in our rear view. And I'm excited about the new year. The podcast has some big things planned and we have some big guests to get on to the podcast. Speaking of big, we're kicking off the 2021 podcast with a big boy, my former roommate and all ACC offensive tackle from NC State, the one and only Scott Adele. You are absolutely going to love this podcast. Before we get to the podcast, now, and I mean now, is the time to follow us on social media. I promised you giveaways and fun. Well, what I tell you will help you, not hurt you. What I tell you may not be on time, but believe me when I say this is the time to be following the Chris Williams podcast hour. I will say this slow so you can go and click the button to like, follow, or share the Chris Williams podcast hour on social media. The Chris Williams podcast hour can be found on IG and Twitter at the Chris Will Pod. That is the at sign T H E C H R I S W I L L P O D. The Chris Will Pod. And on Facebook, the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. We have our first sponsor, and yes, pallets. That's right. Yes, Pallets, the pallet removal, waste removal, and recycling removal company that places risk mitigation, OSHA compliance, and customer-obsessed service first. They can upscale in a moment notice and remove barriers to provide you with a safe and clean work environment. Yes, Pallets is helping us give away, drum roll please, $100. There's a catch. No, not really. But you have to do some small work to win. You have to like and follow us on social media. Tag three friends on one of our social media posts for this episode, which is episode 21, Scott Adele. Then on whatever platform you listen to our podcast, leave a comment and like the podcast to get an entry to win $100 from our sponsor, Yes Palettes. What a way to kick off 2021. I'm excited. Thank you for listening. And enough of me already. Let's get to the podcast. This is the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. I just don't want to stop. Never too much, never too much, never too much, never too much. Happy New Year and welcome back to the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. Today, I have one of the best orators and storytellers I have ever known. My former college roommate and teammate at NC State, he was an all-ACC lineman who was drafted by the New Orleans Saints, a guy that has one of the most incredible personalities, and as you will soon hear, some of the most incredible stories. He was the 1987 National High School Football Player of the Year and an NC State Wolfpack great. Please welcome to the Chris Williams Podcast Hour, Mr. Scott Adele. Scott, welcome to the podcast. Chris, I appreciate that, man. That's like one of the best intros I've ever had. <laughs> I'm going to have to listen to that again or let my kids <laughs> listen to it. There you go. <laughs> hey, well, the, the best part about this podcast 
is it allows you to relive some stories, and you can also throw it in your kid's face. And as, as listeners will soon find out, you really need to step up your brag game because your kids have accomplished so much. So Well, <laughs> that is true, and they never, they never let me forget it. As, uh, as we get going, I have a story to tell you about that. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So obviously we have a ton to discuss and probably need two shows, but let's start with this. So tell listeners about where you grew up and what it was like in your neighborhood. Well, I, I grew up in Fletcher, North Carolina, which is like seven miles from Asheville. And back in the you know, me growing up in the late, early, late 70s, early 80s, mid 80s or so there as a young kid and a teenager, it was much different. Uh, My family had a little bit of uh, some acreage. We had maybe 15, 20 acres of land that uh, my grandfather would farm. And the, you know, I grew up literally, you know, with cows and chickens and pigs and everything else you can imagine. So my mom and dad, they, uh, they were great people. They worked every day and, um, we thought that we had everything and that we possibly could want or even, you know, dream about having just being right there in a little small community. Okay. Okay. Now, Scott, you come from a background with strong family values. So, Describe your home life a little bit more and talk about your mom and dad and also your brother, Robbie. Yeah, so I'll start with my mom and dad. My dad was probably one of the, the finest gentlemen I've ever met. And as I, as I reflect on, on him and the kind of person he is, and, and, and today would have, would have been his 83rd birthday, um, I, I think about him and... Uh, the kind of man he was, uh, he wasn't uh, a drinker, uh, he wasn't a womanizer, he would go to work every day, and he would come home, and that was clockwork, and it was just, I had my dad there all the time, and, you know, he was very conservative, obviously, with, with our cash flow growing up as a, you know, a, you know, poor, you know, class family at that time. We, you know, we were uh, very conservative as to the things that we could do, and he was conservative with his cash flow. We used to call it stingy, but I, I use the term conservative now. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> but uh, just a fine man. Uh, my mother uh, passed away when uh, when I was 18, right when I got to college, right when you were with me during that time, um, was a phenomenal human being. She was a very... Uh, religious, a very Christian lady, and uh, carried herself all the time like a lady, and was very professional, worked very hard, and uh, just a just a good family. Um, my brother was probably one of the most uh, stick-to-itive guys that I've ever met in my life. Whenever he decided that he was going to do something, he was going to do it, no matter what, no matter what. It was it was something that he would, you know. Uh, very goal-oriented. And so um, my brother ended up um, is a a superintendent um, uh, and uh, just uh, in the the public school systems in North Carolina. He's just uh, in Hickory, North Carolina, and just uh, just a great dude, has two daughters and has made a real success for him. I I still will not call him doctor, but uh, the whole family is very, very (laughs) proud of him. That's all right, Robbie. Doctor yeah. Robbie, Robbie. Oh, yeah. that's all right. That's well, well, mm-hmm. well, Doctor Robbie, if you're listening, God bless those kids in that school district. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> bless them all. <laughs> that's that's awesome. All right, so I'm gonna move forward a little bit. So, and so, Adel, size matters. So, I'm gonna ask this next set of questions. So listeners who aren't familiar with you can get an idea how special you were as an athlete. It's not to shame you, but just to, your size. So growing yeah. up, how big were you as a youngster? So your pre-high school um, days. So, so I, in eighth grade, I was 6'2", 
185 pounds as an eighth grader. Which, wow. in today's standards, that doesn't sound large, but back then it was a giant among small children. Their parents were afraid for me to walk the halls with them. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, as I got to, as I got to high school, uh, I ended up being right at about 6'5", 300 pounds, and that's kind of where I was, you know, when I was in college. You know, mm-hmm. there, there were times I'd bloom well above 300, and, you know, uh, Coach Hicks and those guys would always bring me back down and make sure that I understood that I couldn't have any bacon and all the things from Case Dining Hall and get the weight back down. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so I, was a, I was a, you know, a modern-day giant. I was, I was literally, there were two very large kids in our area growing up, and it was me and the offensive lineman from uh, Asheville High School, Ray Roberts who ended up being a good friend of mine, played at the University of Virginia and played in the National Football League for a lot of years. And uh, he was a big boy, too. He ended up being like 6'6", 6'7", 300 pounds. So we were, wow. the, we were the two bigs in town during that time. Nice, nice. So you played at A.C. Reynolds, is that correct? I did. I did, A.C. Reynolds. Okay. So talk about all the positions you played in football. And the offense, the type of uh, – the style of offense that you guys ran while you were there. I played for a guy named Scott Connor, who was probably as good of a dude as you'd ever want to meet. And he was old school. Uh, I played offensive and defensive tackles. And he ran the box, the Notre Dame box from like the 1940s where you really didn't have a quarterback and everything was snapped directly to the tailback. And a tailback would normally run on a sweep and uh, try to cut it back, or sometimes he could run uh, backside. He could hand off to a fullback that was standing back there beside him, but it literally drew a box between, you know, in the backfield in terms of having all those guys in the box. And then sometimes we'd go with just a regular T formation, where, you know, you had the quarterback and, and three backs in the backfield. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, what were the positions that you played in high school football? So I played, I played offensive tackle, and I played defensive tackle. Um, and those were mainly the two positions that I played. I wish uh, like crazy, and I used to try to line up all the time that they'd let me either quarterback a little bit or play running back, but there was no way that the coach was going to do that. First of all, I was too slow, but I did have a cannon of an arm, but you could forget it. He was never going to let me in the backfield. (laughs) (laughs) Hilarious. All right. But I bring this up because the first time that I ever saw you was on a (laughs) high school video, and you were the punter. Well, now that part is true. Now, that, that, that part is true. I would consistently punt 45, 48 yards. Now, that, that part is true. You've got to understand, my senior year, we only had 16 players on the team. We were a huge high school, big 4A high school, but the coach was such a tough guy that the kids didn't want to play. And so oh, wow. we didn't have that many. So when we had our normal punter get hurt, or I don't know if he got hurt or coach jumped on him and he had to, you know, set him out or whatever, I took over as the punter. So I took over as the punter. Chuck Thompson took over as the kickoff specialist. And, and, and we just went and played. That is now, awesome. what was scary was is that that was back in the days when, those, when the high school linemen wore all those, you know, hand stuff, right? <laughs> so I had hand and arm protectors and everything else. I looked like a robot out there trying to get all that off so that I could catch the ball and punt it, then run back down and after the tackle was made and then run back and get all my stuff so I could go in the game and play defensive line. But uh, it, it was fun, it. man. It, it's just a I different time, bro. Just, you know, how it is. Nowadays, mm-hmm. these teams have, you know, full teams and backups. They take it as many as college teams out there on the on the high school football field. Yeah, they have specialists. <laughs> specialists in high school, for sure. Yeah, it's totally different. All right, so you also played baseball. So how good were you 
And what positions did you play in baseball? So football got more notoriety because I was, you know, a big kid in a small area, and I could play. Baseball was my favorite sport. And I would have given anything in the world if I could have been a baseball player. But once everybody knew and saw me, knew that I could play football, you know, there never was going to be a chance that they were going to let me, let me play baseball. So, but I, I, was, I was two-time All-State. Uh, I led my high school for a long time in RBIs. Um, I just, you know, just was my favorite sport. I pitched and played first base. Nice. Nice. Okay. So, and you were obviously a really good baseball player because you were drafted in high school. Do you remember what that was like? No, actually I wasn't drafted in high school. I used to think that that was going to be the case, but that never really happened for me in high school. I, um, uh, baseball, I'll give you an example. When I played my senior year, we played for the state championship and we lost. We played in Raleigh. We played against Raleigh Brock. And at that time, Coach uh, was it Tanner was the mm-hmm. uh, was Tanner. the head baseball coach at NC State, and they were recruiting the Raleigh Broughton pitcher that was pitching against us. And <clears throat> we played the first game. I played pretty well. We won, um, and it was a two out of three series. They ended up beating us two in a row, and we lost to State. It was heartbreaking, but. The thing of it is, is that after the game, I knew who Coach Tanner was. And so uh, I went up to him after the game to say, you know, Coach, you know I'm coming to NC State. I'm a football player. But if you need somebody to come in and relieve or, you know, swing it, just let me know. I said, we'll work something out. And so I went up to have that conversation with him. And he looked me dead in the face and said, hey, big man, you need to stick to football. And walked away. That was it. That was the whole conversation. Wow. And so so I didn't even know what to say, right? I mean, that was like the first time I've been dumbfounded. So years, years later, he's the athletic director at uh, South Carolina, and they're recruiting my daughter to come and play softball. So I'm in the football locker room where they're doing the big tour, one-on-one tour with my daughter. They loved her. And he comes down to meet her. And he looks at me, and I look at him, and I immediately know who he is. He does not know me at the time, but he knows he's seen me before. And I walked up to him, and I told him that story right in front of my daughter. And that coach, she just goes completely pale because she's thinking there's no way that my daughter's coming to South Carolina after that story. But I would never let him off the hook for that. That was was great. He looked me in the face and said, big man, no way, brother. You stick to football. So oh, that's, that's good. That is good. Oh, I love that. I love that. So, and then you know, thank God for football because you had a tremendous senior year in football, and you were named the National High School Player of the Year, and you beat out a guy like Emmett Smith and me. So, <laughs> so you're the man. <laughs> well, so, here, here's the thing. I, I have no idea how that worked out at that time. The Bally All-American team was chosen, and it was the only one on TV. Everything else was, you know, in the papers or whatever the case was. And Mm -hmm. I get a phone call and say, congratulations, you know, you're the, you know, national player of the year. And I'm like, really? Well, that's awesome. You know, and I'm thinking I'm, you know, as an offensive lineman, I really thought it was like an offensive lineman. It was actually a defensive award, right, because I played both ways. And so depending on who you talked to or what the situation was, you know, there were some teams that wanted me to play defense and other teams wanted me to play offense. And, of course, I wanted to play offense in college. So the teams that wanted me to play defense, I wasn't interested. But that was the, that was the thing for the whole award. But it was pretty exciting. We got to, uh, for the first time ever, my dad and myself and my brother, we all got to fly for the very first time. And mom didn't go with us, but all three of us went up to Chicago for the first time. I got to eat you know, deep dish pizza for the first time. I mean, it was, it was amazing. I remember all of it like it was yesterday. They treated us like a king. We rode around and, you know, stretched limos, and it was crazy. That's awesome. 
That is awesome. So after that, so what was recruiting like for you, and do you have any stories you'd like to share about recruiting? Well, I was telling a story the other day. There was a, a buddy of mine. You know, Chris, when you get our age, and, you know, it's not like I'm still not a 300-pound man, right? So that don't go away. <laughs> so you end, up, you end up, instead of going to the gym and working out and creating, you know, a bad situation, you end up creating walking groups. And so you and a bunch of buddies end up walking around the community or whatever and get your miles in every other day or so. So one of the guys was asking me about it. Best recruiting story, one of the best ones I ever had was, is that the University of Georgia wanted me to play defensive line for them. And they sent up a private plane to come and get me from Asheville, out of the Asheville airport. And I got on that big old Georgia private plane, and I thought right then, that I was the best football player to ever live. I really, truly did. And I kept that whole feeling until I lined up against Ray Agnew for the first time, and I realized I wasn't that damn good. <laughs> so, so from the recruiting from 1986 all the way until, until we actually got to spring training in 87, Right? I thought that I was the best football player on the planet. (laughs) Until I lined up for the first time against Big Ray and I realized, "Ah, damn, I'm not that good. (laughs) Oh, the welcome to college moment. Oh, my God. That was it for me, for sure. That was my welcome. That was my good morning, good night. Or what is it? Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. <laughs> welcome to college football. I love it. I love it. So, Scott, let me ask you this, though. So knowing what you know now, is there yeah. anything that you'd do differently? Um, no, no. I, you know, the, the thing that I would have done differently as far as my recruiting and the whole process, I definitely would have come to NC State. I loved you guys, even though it was, you know, tough as nails, you know, with, with mom passing away and just kind of dealing with all of that, you know, through the, through the whole process. It was just, you know, just a really tough time. But and, and trying to just grow up right away from home. I mean, you remember when I went there, I had my, I had my AC Reynolds letter jacket on and I'm walking around the campus of NC State. You know, finally one of you guys had to say, man, you need to retire that jacket, bro. You're in college now. <laughs> you know, it was just, you know, it was just one of those mm-hmm. things. I was just a big old country boy. I'd wear cowboy boots, and until I realized that, you know, maybe that wasn't really the thing to be doing at that time. You know, just, just you know, just a lot of learning that you had to do. So it was a great experience for me. No okay. question about right. it. All right, well, you, you bring up the big country boy stuff. So the first time we actually met was on our recruiting visit, and what I remember, it was a formal dinner that they had upstairs at Carter-Finley, and I was literally sitting across from Tyrone Jackson. And, you know, obviously there was some tension between me and Tyrone because we're both re- being recruited at the same position. But mm-hmm. I'll, never for- I'll never forget this. So you came in a little late to that dinner, and had on some fatigues or some hunting gear or something like that. And then yeah, you ended up I've sitting been on. Yeah. So you ended up <laughs> sitting next to us and, and we're like, hey, what up, fellas? You know, in that loud Scott Adel voice. And, and Ty yeah. said something like, Ty, Ty Jackson, who's from Maryland, was like, man, where you right. been? And you said, squirrel hunting. <laughs> and, then, and right after you said that, you sat down and you literally reached over, over Tyrone, Look Ty in the eyes and grab some bread or something from the table in that deep voice and said, "Yeah, man, I've been hunting." So Ty's yeah. eyes got huge, and he looks at me and he's like, "This big mother, he ain't gonna wash his hands." And I couldn't stop laughing for the rest of the night because you two had me rolling. At that point, I was like, "You know what? This is where I'm spending the next four years of my life." So that, that was, that was it. I will that never forget it, that. And that was, me. you know, well, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And I was just gonna say that that was it. I, I, I went hunting. We, uh, <laughs> as a matter of fact, Coach Pettis was our recruiting coordinator. He mm-hmm. found some land 
and uh, we actually went bird hunting. And uh, I, I actually, uh, he, he, he let me uh, shoot his father's gun, right? So his father had a, had a, a I remember it, it was a, a, a double barrel shotgun. And so he actually took his dad's gun out, which was a big treasure for him. Coach Pettis was a good dude, man. Yes. He was yes. a good dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but yeah that was awesome. me, man. I used to, you know, just raw, just coming in raw and, you know, it was just exciting to, you know, to experience that. I, I experienced most of it by myself, right? You had your family with you. I remember that's the first time I met your mom and your sisters, and you know, that whole yeah. the whole family knit was was right there with you. And during during all my recruiting stuff, you know, my dad was like, "Man, I got to go to work. I can't be doing this." And of course, you know, Robbie was Robbie, and <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't gonna go anywhere, and and so. You know, it was just me, you know, making those trips. So, uh, but it was fun, man. I really enjoyed it. You know, when a kid finds something that, you know, people are excited about him and, you know, all that good stuff, you know what it is. You were recruited heavy too. So it's pretty exciting for that to take place. Yeah. All right. So we both commit to state and end up being roommates. But before we even get on campus, uh, you know, we have – iconic phone conversations you more so than me but we talk on the phone a few times just to get to know each other right yeah so do you remember this right before we report to camp you called me and you're like chris i got a question for you and i was like man just ask me what's going on and you're like chris you don't like dudes or nothing do you you ain't gay So I did. I did. I remember that. And let me tell you where that came from. Let me tell you exactly where it came from. Robbie was in college during that time, or just graduated from college, and was trying to tell me, which I'm from a little country town, dude. I don't know anything about anything. He tried to tell me that, you know, be careful. You know, those guys are football players are gay, and they don't tell nobody. What are you talking about? You know, because the only person I ever lived with was Robbie. And, and by, yeah, he said, hey, you better watch yourself. I'm like, what do you mean watch myself? <laughs> and so, dude, that got me so worked up. I said, I'm calling Chris. I'm just going to double check right now just to make sure. Because I know he's not. Because he told me about, you know, his girlfriend back home. And I know, I know what I know, but I'm going to double check anyway. <laughs> so, oh. The the laugh that you had when I introed that story was the exact same laugh. Like I hung up the phone and I, I looked at my mom and she was like, What? And I told her that and we literally Scott, literally we were both laying on the floor for over an hour. And she's oh over there God. calling her friends and like, Oh, I gotta tell you this bullshit. This big dumb country guy that my son's gonna room with. He's either gonna kill him, he's gonna eat him. I could hear her now, dude. She was probably just laughing herself to death. Oh my gosh, that was yes. oh that was that that's the Scott A classic. We laughed for days. We you know, laughing at it for a long time. So. Dude, those were oh. some good old times, though. Yes, man. Yes, man. So uh, we we go to state. Fall camp was tough. Uh, you, you mentioned it before. It was it was brutal on both of us. I I remember those first weeks, but we made it, and we both made the travel team as freshmen, which meant yeah. we could go and get some playing time. We possibly would be on the field as freshmen. So. Wow. And I don't want to go year by year as we go through this podcast, but when we were when it was announced, it was a significant day in both our lives. Yeah, because that was the same day, and you brought it up earlier. But the same day we made the squad was the same day you probably got the worst news of your life. And so I just, if it isn't too hard for you to recall, would mm-hmm. you mind sharing yeah. what happened so, that day? So. So we got the news that we were going to make the travel team, and um, which we should have, right? If, you, if you're going back and you're looking at it, you know, they were pretty good in 86. In 87, they had lost some players, and they were doing some rebuilds, and there were some, some gaps. There were some positions available 
to play. And I'm not going to say that I would have started, but I would have played. You definitely played. But, mm-hmm. but I got the news um, that, uh, that my mom had passed away. And so um, I ended up going back home and staying for – I probably stayed for a week, and then I ended up coming back. And at that time I met with Coach Sheridan, and, you know, he told me that just the best thing is for a freshman to kind of go through this is to practice every day and just kind of work it out hard, but uh, just take the red shirt and know that good things are coming. And he made, he made a good decision. I, I wasn't uh, – I wouldn't have been mentally ready like I was prior her getting uh, me finding out that she was ill and that she passed away. So mm-hmm. it was it was yeah. a tough thing. But but I will tell you this: even though it's as tough as it was, your mom was probably one of the nicest people to me during that time. She would speak to me on the phone and have just encouraging conversation and just spoke from a spirit of a place that was just comforting to me. And I remember that clear as a bell, and that's why I always cherished and thought a lot of her because of how she helped me through that situation and just trying to handle it. Right, right. So Lola was real people, man. Yes, yes, she was. Yes, she was. Sometimes mm-hmm. too real. <laughs> well, I don't know. You know, <laughs> you know. Sometimes, hey, if you give it, you got to take it. And I think that's she could true. do both because I know she could give it. <laughs> that's true. So, but yeah, it yeah. was a it was a tough time for us, man. It, it was, but but you know, <clears throat> you you would never hope that any youngster would have to to go through that to be at the height of everything that they've always wanted, and then all of a sudden be at the lowest point and having to kind of rebuild it back really quickly, right, or build it back so that, you know, that you could survive it. So, you know, it was tough. Yeah, yeah, it was tough. It's crazy, and I look back on that, and I remember your first reaction when you found out about it, and I remember you throwing your Bible across the room and and saying some words. So, and that that always stuck with me, but I, I knew how strong you were, and that really wasn't how you felt, but it was just the only way you could get it out because I was sitting there, one, I was praying. I was like, God, please don't let him hit me. Please don't let this be <laughs> no. me. No, but, no. You know, we had, no, no. I, you know, but I, we sat there. We, we got through it. And then what, what's, you know, where I'm going with this is it was, it was even more profound when Clyde found out that his mom had cancer and what he was going through and how strong you were for him. And then, you know, a couple of years ago, my mom passes. And you were always the biggest, strongest personality in the room. And, you know, the talks we had, dude, you don't realize how much you carried me through those tough nights. So I appreciate you. And, it, yeah. you know, just going through it with you, going through it with Clyde, and then having to deal with it, it was, you know, the, the, the friendship. I, I, can never, I can never say enough about the friendship that we had. So. Oh, absolutely, bro. Had. Not had. Had. Yeah, yeah. You're like one of my my oldest and dearest friends. I I, I swear, you know, the stories that you could tell, you know, not on this podcast, but. (laughs) No, sir. (laughs) (laughs) But the things that we know and that we could talk about, you know, just help us grow up to be the the men that we are. I mean, it's tough, man. I, I try to tell you know, my kids, how tough it is to be a college athlete. It's tough college in general, but to be a college Mm -hmm. athlete and then go through, you know, whatever happens at home and you got to wear it, that just makes it even tougher. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, but it all builds you and you get your friends. And, you know, if if you asked me earlier, if there was one thing that I regretted, I, I probably, the thing that I regret the most is, is that I did not stay in good enough contact with the people that meant so much to me when I was in college. After I got out, you know, I'd still, you know, chat with you, but for the most part, you know, I, I, I moved, I got married, had children, and, you know, a lot of my college buddies I just, you know, lost, lost track of. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. All right, Scott, let's talk some NC State football in your four years there. So playing yep. and being a student. So, Describe your time there and share some stories about Scott Adele as a football player. What you remember, big games, whatever you want to share. 
so I'm going to tell you this story, and this is the gosh honest truth. <laughs> they, and all my stories start out that way, right? <laughs> I thought, and I'm going to go right to the end, the last ball game that I played was in, you were with me, was against East Carolina. Yep. I thought that was the, the, the one. I had worked so hard to come back from injuries and played the entire season. This was the one right here where I was going to lay it on the line and show all the professional scouts that this is it. This is what you're drafting right here. And I thought I put some really good film in the can. Well, you know, after you're a senior and it's over, you never go back to look at the game. So I never went back to look at it. I never saw that Peach Bowl ever until probably about three months ago. Oh, wow. And I sit there and I said, oh, yeah, this is the one I'm going to show Joe. I've been telling my son, Joe, I've been telling him that his daddy is real, right? But I'm going to watch it first because it's one of these repeats that come on, right? And so I've been telling him for years that, you know, that he's not the only All-American in the house. His daddy was one first, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I put that on and I watch it and I, I'm actually recording it on my, the DVR thing. And so I'm watching. I watch like the first play and I'm like, who is that big old slow guy there playing at 71? Who is that? And I look around and I kind of see a kind of wobble from side to side. I said, oh, Jesus Christ, that's me. <laughs> I ended up watching that game with pure embarrassment. <laughs> that was the worst stuff I'd ever seen in my life. It was slow off the ball. It just did not look like it was in my head, man. In my head, I was just knocking people out. But when you go back and watch it 20-some years later, you realize that it never is as good as you think it is, and it always gets better with time. So I wish I never would have saw it. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Right, you can redeem yourself. What's that? You can redeem yourself by showing him the 88 Peach Bowl game. And I will tag him in a uh, clip that I, I cut off there. But I actually score on like a 40-yard run. But this dude comes flying out of nowhere when I'm about 20 yards upfield and it's you hustling your big tail downfield and you <laughs> chop block the safety. <laughs> so I put that out there for <laughs> Robbie Caldwell said that's the only block in four years I made downfield. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm that is hilarious. But I, the thing about the thing about football in general, the thing about what I I never been so tired in my life. It doesn't matter how hard I train, we get in those games. It's a thousand degrees, mm-hmm. and it is one play after another. And I can just remember. I remember we played at Duke, and I bet you, I, I know for a fact, we, we we I went ninety five plays. I never been so tired in my life. I was. I didn't think I could get off the field, right? Mm-hmm. And that was the thing that I remember Clyde and I talking about all the time about. I was like, man, are you worn out after these games? He's like, dude, I'm going to have to have somebody to carry me home. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was just, I mean, you remember what it was like. You know, yeah. it was just, and that, and that was back in the days when they would tell you to drink soft drinks during halftime. And we sit there and pop them cokes. You remember that? Oh, man. Was, sun kissed, it, orange sun kissed, and coke. Yeah, it was killing us. Remember we used to cramp the refrigerator up? up so we would take bags of cokes after the game back and just sit there and drink that. Dude, it's no wonder we've all got type 2 diabetes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my yeah, goodness. Hilarious. But I wouldn't have traded it in anything, dude. I wouldn't be the same person I am today if, if I hadn't have had that opportunity, right? I, I coach some boys now, and, and, and that's the kind of thing that I talk to them about is finding ways to be able to get their work in so they can leave it on the field, right, that they don't want to cheat themselves to where they don't have the energy or the drive to be, you know, what they're capable of. So 
I wouldn't be the same person today if it wasn't for those times, for sure. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, anything else you want to share? Um, any stories, any memories from a particular game? The, the one memory that I had from a particular game was we were playing in a bowl game in Arizona. Do you remember that? I forgot yes. what bowl it was. The copper bowl. It was the copper bowl. It was the copper Dude, bowl. I was playing against one of those outside linebackers that ended up going and playing for years in the pros. He had a twin brother. I can't remember his name, but he was the better Singleton. Singleton. Dude, that big rascal wore me out. He was <laughs> fast. He was big. And I looked for Clyde. I, was, I, I don't know why I was looking for Clyde because he played on the left side and I played on the right side, but I was looking for Clyde. And next thing you know, Clyde's out of the game. We're getting handled, right? We're not getting beat. We're getting handled up front. And I'm like, what happened to Clyde? And he said, the heat got to him. He passed out. And I'm like, good God, it's so hot out here. Then the next thing you know, Clyde runs out of the locker room like he just come from a vacation, just fresh. I'm like, what the heck happened to Clyde? He went and caught an IV, dude. He came <laughs> back alive. <laughs> I'm dying. I'm like, I need one of those. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, I can, yeah. hey, I can go on, dude. I can go on with all those stories. There was a doc no. that used to come by, and you know, I'd be putting on my gear, and he'd come by and give me a shot. I forgot that old man's name. I swear, dude. But you know who I'm talking about. Fagenbaum. Giving everybody B12s. Right? Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. First time that happened to me, it scared me to death, man. I didn't know what happened. <laughs> Anything to play, baby. Anything to play at that time. That's that's right. That's right. That is hilarious. So, so, so my two best Scott Adele stories. I got to say right. Scott Adele, like Kelly, one word. Yeah. Um, is the first, and this has nothing to do with football. So the uh, you, it was Anthony Barber, me, and mm-hmm. you. We went fishing. So somehow you guys took us to this spot. They had a pond, but we climbed this fence to get to the pond. And I just remember we stood under this tree, and the leaves kept moving. You guys were like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's just the wind blowing. But, I mean, the leaves are, like, really moving. So we're standing there for about 30 minutes or so. And me and A.B. are just casting. And you said, fellas, that ain't the wind. And then next thing you know, we just look up, and you're hauling ass. And you're like, those are moccasins. So A.B. and I just drop our poles. <laughs> and we're running as fast as we can trying to get to this fence. And we look up. And A.L., you're already on the fence going over it. And me and A.B. were at the bottom of the fence, and we were laughing so hard. You ain't never seen me move that fast. No. Dude, I'm still scared of snakes. Don't make no mistake about it, dude. If I see a snake, I'm running. (laughs) Oh, gosh. And then the last story I have is, and, and you probably won't want to talk about this, but we went to Carowinds. So first of all, you, before you mentioned being an oh, athlete, yeah. a college athlete, right, student athlete, yeah. we have no yeah. money. So we None. used to save pennies in this two-liter. One of the two-liters that you didn't actually put tobacco juice in, that's what we used to put, <laughs> put pennies and change in there. We saved up all this change and had like three bucks in our pocket, went and cashed in that. We had just enough to go to Carowinds, get a couple drinks, and, you know, have a good time. But do you remember getting on that roller coaster or, or standing in line for an hour to get on this roller coaster? You get up there, and the guy's like, ah, nah, big man, you're too big. Yeah, I couldn't fit. And that, that little boy that was standing behind you, oh, my God, it was so embarrassing. Come on, so man. Fast. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> I remember. I remember. Because I tried to get on it. I tried my hardest to get on it, dude. I couldn't pop my shoulder out. I tried. Well, the harness wouldn't fit. Yeah, the hardest would come down over Come on, man. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) That was it. I thought you were going to tell the story the first time we went to the beach, right? I was with you the first time we ever went to the beach together. 
And I, yeah, met, that, I met Brock's mom and dad for the first time. That's right. Who did we go to the beach with? We went with it was me and you, Lumpy, uh, Steve. Steve Brown. We riding with him. Yep. So, and we uh, met Brock Cor- and his family. Brock and Corciani. That's where we were staying. Yep. Brock, Brock and Chris Corciani. Corciani <laughs> was down there. And that was when you and I bought all that cheap beer and was drinking <laughs> on the way down. And got sick as the Oh, God. I don't think I've ever been as sick as my life. I was sick. Trying to drink... Uh, uh, Colt 45. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my. Uh, that is hilarious. I tell you, yeah, that, that, was, was... that was first time I've ever been to the beach. Though. First time I've ever seen the ocean was with you guys during that time. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. That's awesome. First time. That's awesome. All right. So my last story about you. <laughs> I shouldn't even tell this. I'm going to hell for telling this story, but it was Go funny ahead. at the time. So. We're walking to class, and you being ADL, talking loud, speaking to everybody, hey, what's up, hey, lady, nice dress. You know how you are, just just waving at people for no reason, just, hey, what's going on? So we come I'm out of the general. free expression. Yep. <laughs> we come out of the free ex- expression tunnel, and you spot this guy that was walking, what at the time we thought was like an exaggerated pimp or swag. Do you remember this? And you know where I'm going? Yeah. That guy was angry. Yeah. <laughs> So you're like, hey, what's up, player? You got that pit walk going. What up? And we walk up on him and actually yeah, find out he has a deformity. Balling. Yeah. But what was Never, dude. I'm but the brilliance of that. Yeah. You know what, though? But the brilliance of that was you never let up. And when you got up to him, you forced the guy to give you like a little semi high five, and he willingly did. That he it with could barely smile. move his hand, dude. He could yes. barely move his hand. So, but I remember we got around the corner, and you're like, Chris, what the hell was that? And we were both so embarrassed. But the smile oh, you brought to that guy's dude. face was priceless. And I think, you know, anytime I think about you, that's I'm like, that's Scott Hedell. That's exactly yeah. who you yeah. are. You know, well, no matter who guy, it is. You... That guy, you know, at that time, you and I were, you know, big guys on campus, right? And so <laughs> at that time, that guy dapping me and you up made him feel good, too, even though I made a slip and I should have never said anything, right? So <laughs> it, all kind of, it all kind of worked out, but it, it could have gone bad any which way but lose. But it all kind of worked <laughs> out. So I remember it, though, dude. I remember like it was yesterday. All those walks, man. Can you imagine how many miles we walked to class back and forth? And Ty- Tyrone driving that little white truck by us and won't stop nobody Talking about you too big to get in my truck. I'm like, what? <laughs> too big. I will right, we'll see on Saturday when uh, McLaughlin is too big for me to block. Let's see shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it! I love it! Oh my so, goodness! Oh, those are some great days. Great days. They were. So, they were. So, all right. So, obviously, you finish your playing days at state. You get drafted yep. by the state by the New Orleans Saints. So, yep. t- talk a little bit about that and how your career finally ended. Or playing. Yeah, it ended right? really quick. I. Um, I did, I did find my footing a little bit with the Saints, not, not a lot. I was in training camp with them, and we were doing some drills, and the first time I went against Ricky Jackson, I mean, he beat me so bad. I mean, I wasn't even out of my stance, and he was by me. But uh, as we continued, and I continued to get a little bit more confident, because, you know, it takes a minute just to catch your breath with all that going on. The verbiage is all different. The offense is different or whatever. But by the time you kind of catch your breath, you know, I started playing a little bit better. But then uh, I got hurt lifting weights. I was uh, trying to be the strongest, which is kind of silly, because back then you had strong, strong linemen, but they weren't in there trying to do crazy stuff, right? I mean, Eli was the strong, Eli and Logo were the two strongest guys I know, and I wasn't nowhere near as strong as those guys are. But, I, heck, I was about as strong as anybody on the Saints team at that time, right? Mm-hmm. So I uh, was doing some deadlifts, and I hurt my back, and I just 
I, you know, it just all left me, dude. And I, my, my legs went numb. I could think about myself not being able to walk. And for whatever reason, all the years of training and everything else just kind of said, look, man, you need to do something different, you know. And uh, I, it took me probably a month to, uh, to get back to able to walk without pain and that kind of stuff. And it just was, it was done at that point. I wasn't going back. Okay. Okay. And it just all ended. Right. I mean, it was, you know, they all in, and it was just kind of abruptly, and I accepted it and just said, you know what, it's a done deal. But uh, I ruptured, I ruptured the, uh, the, a disc in my back, and fortunately I didn't have to have surgery because it was really the first time it ever really pushed out like that, and it kind of went back Ugh. into place. And I've never had a problem again, but I never tried to really lift any heavy weights or do anything ridiculous since then. Okay. Okay. All right, yeah. so the, pl- the playing days are over. You get married, yeah. you have kids. So I love shameless plugs. So this is your opportunity to, for shameless plugs. So I need you to brag about what you're doing now, your family, and, you know, just just brag about it because you have so much happening that, you know, most people well, don't think they will. Here's the, here's the thing. I always used, because I never saw that film that I was just telling you about, I always used my playing days as me being, you know, the best athlete around, you know, the big daddy. Of course, when you grow up, you know, or, or have your kids in the neighborhood and you've got regular dads walking around with, with, with you know, that look like regular dudes, you know, they all, you know, kind of gravitate to the football guy. And that's kind of been what's, what's going on, you know, here in our lives. So the kids were always really happy that their dad was a former athlete or whatever. And, you know, I used to just throw it out there at him. That, you know, you could, you know, be an All-American or whatever the case is. And so <clears throat> Jessica, which is my oldest daughter, was a softball player, and she was really good. So she was recruited by, you know, a bunch of different schools, decided to go to, to Tennessee to play softball, which at that time, and even now, Tennessee's a powerhouse in softball. So she decided to go to Tennessee. They offered her, you know, an incredible opportunity to go. So we were all fired up, and then her senior year, she, you know, uh, gets named to one of the softball team All-Americans her high school senior year before she goes off to college. And she says, Dad, I'm just like you. I said, what do you mean? She says, I'm a high school All-American too because they sent her a little trophy and all that kind of <laughs> stuff, and her school made a big difference. And I said, well, you're sort of like me, Jay. I said, what do you mean? I said, you an All-American, that's true, and congratulations. I'm proud of you and all of that, but – your dad was a consensus high school All-American, right? And so, and so uh, I was like, you know, you got named to one. You are an All-American, but you didn't get named to more than one. So <clears throat> we're driving down the road, and I'm on my phone, Nicole's driving or whatever, and they came out with, I don't know if it was a USA Today or what it was, but they came out with another high school team All-American for softball. So I flip over and see if Jessica's on it. Sure enough, she's first team. So this is the second one that she's made. And so I tell her, I say, Jay, I said, here it is. I said, you made another one. She said, what? I said, you made another high school All-American team. She says, I'm consensus. <laughs> you are. You are. And I swear to God, two years to the date of that conversation where Joe becomes a senior, he and I try to have the same conversation. And so – USA Today comes here and does this big old feature on him and <clears throat> gives him this big old trophy for National Player of the Year in baseball. <laughs> and he, he looks at me and he hands me the article, right, where he's holding this trophy and they got this big old spread on it. And he said, don't even try, Dad, you know. <laughs> I didn't have nothing to say. I didn't have nothing to say. He said, don't even try, Dad. You know. I said, come on, man. Come on. There's no question. Both my kids were very, very gifted athletes. We were, Nicole and I are very blessed. We had an opportunity to watch them grow and kind of push them in the direction of athletics. and It's just been a blessing for us. Okay. That's awesome. That is awesome. And your daughter was she was a Gatorade Player of the Year, correct? Am I am I right she about was. that? She was. She okay. was Miss Kentucky softball. She was the Gatorade Player of the Year. Um, she went to Tennessee, and um, 
did not like it as much as she thought that she was going to like it and ended up transferring and coming back to Louisville and just deciding that, you know, she's such a gifted athlete that she was going to run track. So she goes and throws the javelin for the, you know, the nationally ranked Louisville track team for a year and then uh, uh, finished up her degree and just said, you know, or finishing while finishing up her degree, she said, I'm out. She said, I'm going to join a sorority. So it ended up where her, her best playing days for sure were in high school and where she was phenomenal, but, you know, just didn't want to continue to really chase it that hard. It's a, okay. it's a tough road. You know how tough it is to, to try yeah. to chase a skill like softball, baseball. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, and then your son, talking about chasing the dream, brag about him. Yeah, well, I mean, he, uh, you know, we didn't really know. I, I knew he was a pretty good player for a long time, but I didn't know that he was going to be a draft kid, until a high school draft kid, until <clears throat> it got closer, and he kept hitting him during home runs in high school, and more and more general managers started to show up, and then, I spoke to his agent and I said, you know, this is getting pretty real now. He said, oh, it's been real. And then sure enough, man, we went to the draft and, you know, he was taking the 10th overall pick by the Angels. Um, And uh, it's just been, you know, he made his major league debut this year. And um, it's just been a whirlwind for him. Okay. All right. Just just a really good kid. and Yeah, just a good kid. And, you know, the thing that, that we didn't have, that 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 we have now that we didn't have when we came up was we'd get an article in the paper. You remember going to like the grocery store or drugstore looking for uh, the little football magazines to see what people, mm-hmm. you know, what anybody said kind of thing. Yeah. Now it's online all the time. And so you've got guys that, you know, just nobody's writing full articles and blogs and everything. And so as a parent, you got to figure out how to handle all that, you know? And so that's the big difference now with, with sports. And now that he's a professional, you know, he's opened himself up for, you know, for everybody to say good, bad, or indifferent. So that's a, mm-hmm. that's a tough thing to have that much at him at one time because he's just 21. But he's done a really good job handling it, probably better than I have, to be honest with you. But um, he's done a good job. Okay. And and then finally, you are coaching a baseball team. I know you you got to get out of here pretty soon, but you're coaching. So tell me a little bit about you know yeah, who you're so, coaching and so what I you're coach doing. I coach high school the where Joe went to high school. Once he left, I joined the staff and uh, I coach the freshmen and sophomores. Just public high school, Ballard High School. And then uh, this summer, I, uh, I joined a travel ball team as a 16U coach. And I've got a lot of my same players that play for me at Ballard that play, you know, AAU or travel ball for me uh, on the Vipers team. So um, it keeps me busy. I get an opportunity to talk baseball with kids and, you know, constantly talk to them about, you know, the, the most important thing I talk to them about is just hard work, just dedicating themselves, talk to their parents about the importance of them being engaged in their work process. Um, and uh, I've done uh, a pretty good job of recruiting um, black kids to baseball. And that was one of the things that Joe and I talked about after him being drafted because, you know, he was one of uh, three black kids on his baseball team in high school, you know, one of two black kids on his travel ball team, just they're just not black kids playing baseball. And uh, mm-hmm. I think Major League Baseball is down to like 6.8 or 7% black players now. And so, wow. um, I mean, it just, you just can't imagine the, how low it is. And so we're, we're working, you know, just at the grassroots level to try to encourage these kids to play, work on their skill set so they can be competitive, teach their parents enough about the game so that they can understand if their kids are prospects or what they need to do to become a prospect kind of thing. So it's been good, man. It's, it's kept me busy for sure. That's awesome. That's a huge tool. So I hope parents yeah. are taking advantage of that. That is a tremendous tool. So yeah, I hope so. I, I do. There's a lot of parents that, you know, just, you know, not willing to do what needs to be done 
uh, and I, I challenge them on it, you know, without question, calling them out by name and, and, and t- having the conversation with them and saying, you know, your kid's talented, but if you don't help push him and, you know, do what you can do to, to support him, then he's never going to – that talent's never going to come to fruition. And sure enough, <clears throat> you know, we'll see. You know, all the kids that I've been working with right now are still young, so I don't know. But I've got some real diamonds in the rough. Uh, okay. And I've got kids calling me all the time as early as sixth grade wanting to come over and start our workouts and start working together. So it's some positive momentum. It's just, you know, and a lot of it's driven just by people knowing Joe. But whatever the way that we can get them to the, to the park and, and be able to work on their skills, because, you know, <clears throat> it ain't just Little League, right? It's, you know, high school ball and travel ball. It's, it's, it's about, you know, developing that skill set so that they can get an opportunity to play in college. Because there's real opportunities if they can play, real opportunities. So. Yes, yes, man, that is great. So, thank you, Scott. You know. Yeah, uh, man, thank you, Chris. You're you're a man well deserved. You you've always worked hard. You're blessed, and you don't take advantage of that blessing. You you've always pushed the envelope. So I, I love it. Appreciate that. Be, Appreciate before that, we man. before we go, we got to play a speed round. So right, I'm gonna I'm going to I'm going to mention five subjects, and you say the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. All right. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Dick Sheridan. NC State. All right. AC Reynolds. All American. Chris Slade. Left tackle. And I want to tell you the story on that. I, want to I knew tell you it would the story bring it out. All right, go ahead. Go so ahead. here's the story. I know we're running over, but here's the story on that. You can edit it, but here's the story. <laughs> we were playing Virginia, and Chris, Chris Slade was playing, I guess it was his right defensive tackle, which was the left side of our line, and I'm playing right tackle, which I'm playing the other guy, whoever he was. I'm handling my guy. And every time I look over from the backside, Chris Slade is absolutely killing the quarterback. <laughs> and finally, I get to the, we get back to the huddle and the left tackle for us, and it wasn't Brock, I forgot who it was, looks at me and says, I can't block you. I was like, oh, God almighty, I've never heard that in a game before, right? That's the first thing that pops into my head. He looks, he's dead, he's dead, sir, I cannot block him. I said, will you switch with me? And so he went to the right side, and for the first time ever in the game, I moved to left tackle to block Chris Slade. <laughs> and, of course, you know what Chris Slade did, right? <laughs> he flipped with the other side tackle and went, went back over there and wore out the other side. Oh, I remember that game. I had to bring that up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I had oh to my God. I've up. never been in a game where another lineman looked at in the huddle with the quarterback and everybody said, I can't block him. And I don't remember who I, I guess it was Terry Jordan. And all of a sudden he's looking around like, God, I'm I'm the back blind side. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So I had to tell you why I said left tackle. Cause that was the only time that I ever just moved in the middle of the game from one side to the other. Ah, uh, no, that's okay. I, I was hoping you would you would bring up that story. So yeah. I, got, I got a couple more. Chucky right, Brown. Sure. Oh, that red trunk, baby. You can't <laughs> Chucky Brown and that red trunk and those what was Wrangler jeans. <laughs> Chucky was one of the smoothest, most popular athletes that I've ever been around in college. No question about it. He was that guy, right? But he was driving a red truck and wearing Wrangler jeans. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. That was funny. Oh. All right. So finally, all right, this is a question. So have you ever been to a party in college, had a beer or two, then been challenged by a little guy who was smaller than me? If so, what was the outcome? It was not good for him. I'll just put it like that. <laughs> so, so to tell you the truth, the, 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 to give you the full story, it was more than a beer or two, and that may have been the first time I have ever drank alcohol in my life. 
And yes. so, so when I drank a couple of beers and somebody said, oh, you're a big man, take some Jack and add to it. And all, of sudden, all of a sudden, I got a couple of Jacks in me. Now I'm the biggest, baddest son of a gun in town, right? So we're walking into this party, and it was 100 degrees. I don't know if it was me because there were a lot of people or because I got Jack Daniels coming out of my board. But this, this dude pops up and pops me on the shoulder as he was getting up. And I, of course, I, you know, I can't tell you because I didn't see it on film like I saw myself, but this is what I felt that happened. I felt like I turned around and I hit that son of a bitch in his chin <laughs> as hard as I possibly could. And I have no idea to this day why I done that or what provoked that rage other than to this day I do not drink Jack Daniels because I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Is that how you remember it? Yes, that is. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, that was the funniest thing. But but the next day was the funniest. You're like Chris, it was it was the perfect right hand. He goes, I just hope that guy's alive. <laughs> I hope he was alive. And 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 it turned out. I I checked on it to make sure it turned out because they called the police. I had to get out of there. It turned out that however you can hit somebody in the jaw or in the chin, you can break their collarbone. I don't know how that's possible. But I did. I broke this cat's collarbone. So it must have been how he fell or whatever the case was. But I'm telling you, <clears throat> that's really the only altercation that I ever really got in that wasn't just push-push kind of thing, right? Was was yes. was I put hands on him and I don't even to this day I don't even know why it was the the jack was in me and it had to come out and it did. Oh, oh man! Did. I gotta, all right, let me get it back together. That I just that was that was hilarious. That's the story. That's the story right there. The answer was yes. I did. That. Oh well. All right, Scott. Scott Adele. I can't say it like my sisters, but Scott Adele. Always be always proud to be called your friend. So thank you Absolutely, so much for brother. kicking off the new year and coming on the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. Thank you so right, very much. Thank you so much, man. Bless to you and your family. Good luck on everything, and I'll be talking to you soon. Sounds good. Thank you, Scott. All right, brother. All right.